0: This edition of the Bio Report is brought to you by the California Technology Council, providing discounts on products and services essential to every startup. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The power of genetic engineering will soon be available for the home thanks to the Amino One, a piece of hardware about the size of a laptop computer that would allow users to manipulate the DNA of microorganisms for productive purposes or just plain fun. We spoke to Julie Legault, founder and CEO of Amino One's creator Amino Labs, about the device, its target market, and the implications of putting the tools of synthetic biology. Into the hands of kids. Julie, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We're gonna talk about Amino Labs and the Amino One, which promising allowing which promises to allow anyone to perform genetic engineering or synthetic biology in the comfort of their own home. Perhaps you can begin by describing the amino one what what exactly is it?
1: Sure, so um we built a way for as you said anyone to do bioengineering and to do that um the hardware so it's a hardware platform, and you can think about it a little bit like a laptop computer um it allows you to run different DNA programs and DNA programs means um so you have a cell, and when you want to bioengineer, you want to put like a different program in it. You want it to do something different than it's um, already doing or supposed to be doing. So those are called the DNA programs. So, for example, you can make things glow like a firefly. You can make a yeast, like the same ones you use for baking, uh, glow like a firefly, and that enables you to make a night light, for example.
0: So, well, so that, um, would this essentially sorry? be considered a bioreactor?
1: Yeah, so amino is a bioreactor. So, um it helps you put the DNA into your yeast cell. So it allows you to do the transformation, which is basically a heat shocking um transformation. So it has hot, it has cold, it has all the little liquids you need, um so there's like transformation buffers, which is a salt solution and the DNA and all that. And then once you are done with that, um, the other component a bioreactor, which allows you to keep an organism alive and feed it and uh, make sure that the pH is regulated, the temperature. But that also allows you to play with it. So you can start by changing its ecosystem. So you can change the temperature at which it grows. You can change... The pH um, and a lot of those things haven't really been done in labs before, so that's why it also has application for yeah, research because um, no one really like measures pH and temperature over time in that way.
0: How how does this compare to equipment I might find in a research or a commercial lab?
1: Um, Right. So um, they do have bioreactors, obviously, in research labs. But they don't give you the opportunity to do – most of them don't have real-time sensors on them. So you still need to take your data manually. So you need to take a little bit of the culture out and then go to, like, a spectrograph, get optical density, go to thermometer, the temperature, and so on. So Amino does all that over time, but it also allows you to input different components – so you can uh, change the sugars that you put in it. You can change the different solutions you put in it. And those allow you to do different things. So, for example, again, with the firefly, there's a special component that allows it to glow brighter for a certain period of time. So you can kind of give it a boost. And you can test these different things. So that's different than when you have in a lab. And also, um, we're including an option where you don't need to be there to actually feed it. So you could like induce a certain solution. You could press a button. Well, if you're there, you press a button, give it a certain sugar. But from home, there's going to be um, a web page. And you could just press a button on the web page, allowing you not to have to be in the lab to do this. So those are more, like, not necessarily advanced, but they're more like lab functions. So that grad students don't actually need to be standing by all the time.
0: And, and who's like, the, the target market helpful. for the Amino-1? How, how would you expect it to be used?
1: Um, so, my target market in the long run is um, mostly children and their parents. So, it's the idea of a, having it at home as a family, so kind of like the easy-bake oven. In terms of the initial people uh, we've gotten for the Amino One and, like, the user base we've collected through crowdfunding, um, there are some families, but there's also, like, research labs, there's also um, hackers, makers, and I think these will be really helpful to understand what we can do with um, the amino one. And I think in the future we'll um, sort of split off the branch, so there'll be one for kids, uh, which will be more of um, a like in instruction-based how do you bioengineer um, system, and then one more for hacker researchers where you can start where it's just a system that they can hack into and do pretty much anything they want.
0: And what's the price point for the product?
1: um, So right now it's around um, $600, and that's including one of the DNA programs. And those are handmade and hand-assembled, so (laughs) they're a little bit more pricey. But we'll be starting to manufacture um, in this or summer next year so hopefully the price can go way down
0: so i'm really
1: hoping it's only a couple hundred in the future um, especially for kids to have it
0: people may not realize this listening to you talk but you're an artist and designer by training not a biologist as i understand yes. the amino one grew out of work you were doing at the mit media lab how did, how did this all come about and what, what were you hoping to do
1: Yeah, so um, that's actually like a really good point. I am definitely not a scientist. And um, I didn't necessarily enjoy science um, at school. So when I got into the media lab, I was doing wearable technologies. um, So like things like watches and all that. But um, once I got there, sort of like the fad of wearable technology was becoming more and more mainstream. So it kind of lost its appeal. So I was um, researching olfaction and hormones and all that, and I got into a workshop for synthetic biology and being interested in a different aspect of the workshop, but while I was there, I learned that you could actually, most of the perfumes that they make nowadays use synthetic biology, and then by looking more into this, I found out that actually, like, all our medicine, most of our food, like, is like, has some sort of synthetic biology or bioengineering component to it. And I thought it was really important for people to start to understand it. And um, so I got into this workshop, and we were, we basically transformed an organism um, to produce violacin, which is a anti-cancer uh, compound used in research. But what really amazed me, well, it was kind of the color. is <laughs> like a really deep purple, which, as an artist, it's kind of amazing <laughs> that we could take this, like, daisy organism and make it, like, a really beautiful color, but also the fact that we did it in a kitchen, um, like, around bagels and coffees, and it was, like, this really important research thing that we were doing, but it was super easy, it was super fun, and it didn't feel like science at all, and it got me to um, thinking that more people should be able to do this, but also, when I was speaking to my friends about this at MIT, and they're all, like, super smart people, um, a lot of them were still kind of scared, and a lot of them were saying, oh, you're going to become a bioterrorist. And I was like, well, I don't think so. But it made me realize that there's still this um, like innate fear of biotechnology. And like if you say I'm bioengineering something, of course it's kind of scary because that's what the media is portraying it as. And I mean, there are some scary things about it, but I think that the more we actually learn, like everyone can learn about it, the more we'll feel comfortable Taking part in the debate and um, understanding that there are some really cool things that can come off of it. So the idea of doing a hands on kit, which is like inspired by Arduino and all these things, is because once you do something hands on, you feel a lot more comfortable um, taking part in the discussion and you also feel a lot more comfortable learning about it. So it's less this abstract textbook subject. It's more like something. Oh yeah, my kids did this in class. He brought home like a nightlight or something, then you feel more comfortable um, having it in your life and understanding all sides of the issues. Well, well, when I was a kid, it
0: wasn't unusual that someone might have a chemistry set or some kind of circuitry kit from Radio Shack. Is this just the equivalent of that for a a new biological age?
1: Yeah, I think so. So, um, like the kit you mentioned from Radio Shack, like the 160 in one, I think that got. A lot of um, us and maybe a bit of an older generation into electronics. And at the time, like it, electronic engineering was like the big thing you should know. And now we know like it's everywhere. And, you know, circuits are really important. And now everyone's hacking them. So I think, yeah, it's the equivalent. It's the bio. Well, I'm trying to make it like the bioengineering science kit for so, now.
0: So one of the things you envision selling is a, a set of what you call apps for the amino One. Can you describe an app and the different types of apps that you hope will be available?
1: Sure. So um, an app is basically everything you need to produce a product, like a living product. So um, that, and that includes, so there's a DNA program. And that's the part of the plasmid. So it's a little plasmid. You don't need to know these words. But that's what tells the cell what to do. So it tells it to glow. It tells it to smell like bananas. Or it tells it to produce a fuel, for example. And, and these are things we'll provide you. But in the future, we're hoping that people can start making their own DNA program. Um, but that's an aside. So you get a DNA program. You get the organism. You put it in. So that's either um, a strain of friendly bacteria or a yeast cell, a yeast, the same yeast that you find like in your baking kit. And um, the friendly bacteria is an e. coli strain, and that's the same one they use in labs. It's the friendly version of E. coli, so there's a lot of types of E. coli, and that's the, the nice one. So you get that, and you get um, transformation buffer, which is the salt solution, and that allows the membrane of the cell to become permeable so it allows the DNA to go in it once you start putting it in the hot and cold and hot.
0: So what are some um, of the things you hope to do with the different apps?
1: Yeah so um, well the first one is the night light and I thought that a living night light would appeal to kids at home and just sort of be pretty cool because we all used to catch fireflies and whatnot but um, in the future and uh, what I'm really excited to be working on is um one that allows you to do different flavors and scents. So in terms of uh, yeast, you can change the flavor that yeast has and the different colors. So that allows you to bake uh, cakes and group beers that have different properties. So right now, um, already like out there, there's a rice called the golden rice, and that's been engineered to have more vitamin A. And that's um, like being used in Asia um, because they have vitamin A deficiencies. So they're using this, like enriched yeast uh, sorry enriched rice to help people have more vitamins so you could do the same thing with amino so we're working on um different yeast variety you can have i'm really excited about the perfume aspect of it and the cosmetic aspect of it so already in our cosmetics it's mostly engineered stuff um so yes i think that'll be really exciting for myself um but then we also have things that um So one of the more controversial ones but that can help us think of what the future can bring is that you can already start making your insulin at home. So insulin right now is made with yeast, and there are companies, there's actually only two or three companies that actually make it right now, which is kind of scary when you think about it, that there are only three sources of insulin for the whole world. And these are made in giant bioreactors with yeast. So you transform the saw and then it produces insulin if anything happens to those places, then there's like a shortage of insulin. And that would be really dire for some people. So we like to think about it as the idea of distributed medicine, where anyone could start making the insulin they need. And either you have it at home or there's one on your street, at, in the village, whatever. But um, it's this idea of having access to something you need and like sort of personalized manufacturing. So, I think insulin is a really powerful one. Obviously, things like safety and injecting something you've created, if you're not trained for it, something that needs to be looked into. And, like, how do we make sure people are safe? So, that's like more of the future, but that's a future where we're pushing towards where you can make your own medicine, you can make your own engineered food safely without having to rely on big manufacturing systems.
0: You know, if you think about um, things like living night lights and banana-scented yeast, it's all fairly innocuous. But when you talk about genetic engineering and synthetic biology, there are terms that certainly can set people off. Are, are there regulatory issues at all in, in selling the kit?
1: Um, so in America and Canada, there aren't. So everything we do is rated biosafety level one, and that means you don't need to have anything particular to use it. It means it's safe for humans to be around with like minimum protection. So actually, we use gloves, but the gloves are more to protect our experiment from us than us from it. Um, So in North America, there's no problem. In Europe, so in the UK and in France, it's a little bit more complicated, so you're not legally allowed to engineer anything you can have all the parts but once you put them together then you're in trouble unless you're a registered school or club that has like a, a special registration so um right so it doesn't really work for france or the uk at the moment but i know a lot of people are trying to make it work so that um at least science clubs can start doing it um at home but not at home at the club
0: so, so, you, you mentioned yeah. the the response of some of your MIT colleagues, but I'm wondering, you know, as it's gotten out there, the thought of putting bioreactors in the hands of home users, have, have mm-hmm. you heard from other people who are nervous about people misusing the product?
1: Um, so, there was a, a few Facebook comments that were like, oh, here comes the zombie apocalypse <laughs> and uh, all that, which... I find it a little bit funny um but at the same time and I find it funny not because I don't think I have a responsibility but because if anyone that anyone that can create something bad with bioengineering at the moment definitely doesn't need my kids to help them they're like their skills are way beyond what I can do <laughs> or what my um, partners my science partners can do
0: well, and uh-huh.
1: um Yeah, and the the other thing I wanted to mention is that if you want to get um, something like a DNA, a part of a DNA produced, that's, um, I'm going to call it evil, but that's, like, not good for people, that could be dangerous. There are already um, channels in place where if you call up a company and be like, produce me this DNA Mm -hmm. plasmid," they'll know if it's dangerous or not, and they'll check up on you. On the flip side,
0: do you you see this? having the ability to demystify the technology and make it less threatening to people who may not understand it today.
1: Um, Sorry,
0: what was the question? Well, you know, for a lot of people, this is, this is a a nebulous area and and they're very fearful when they hear about it. But do you think by, by putting it into the hands of people who can learn about it in their own home, does this demystify the technology and, and make it less threatening?
1: Yeah, that's actually what I'm hoping. That's the whole, that's where I started from with this project, is to try and demystify it and uh, make people less scared, but also feel like they have a bigger part in the discussion. So maybe you learn more about it and you're still very opposed to it for religious beliefs or others. And like, I'm not going to say you're wrong, because these are your beliefs. Um, so at least once you know a little bit more about it, then you can start to take part in the discussion, but also say, actually, I don't want my food to have been engineered, or I don't want my medicine to have been engineered. And then at least you know more. You know what you're saying. It's not just a, like a land fear that's like a blanket fear.
0: And at you mentioned your fun. crowdfunding. You were on the Indiegogo site raising money for, for this. Did uh, what, What's the reaction been there?
1: Um, yeah, a lot of people have been really excited. Um, one of the like best reaction we got actually, and I mean, everyone's been excited from like researchers and like a lot of people saying, "Oh, I mean, you know, I've expected this for years," or "Finally, there's a new science kit for this generation." But one of the best message I got personally is uh, from a little girl in the UK. I think in um, she's eleven, and she wanted to know if she could use it. And like safely, and then once I answered, she said she she thought she was going to ask for it for her birthday present, and I thought that was really like that's the best reaction I could hope for that an eleven year old is interested enough
0: to well, what, actually what do you, want it. What do you think this says about biology today and the changing way people will use and interact with these tools?
1: Um, I think it says that people are more open to science in the everyday life. I think the idea of like. Anyone can do science in the same way that, like you said, chemistry set. Everyone, when they were a kid, could at least play with it, even if they didn't want to become a chemist. You could get an understanding of it and a hands-on understanding of it. I think now in schools, um, I remember we didn't have a lot of hands-on activities because it wasn't safe or whatever regulations they put in there. But that also meant it was super boring. So I think this idea of playing with science and learning through doing is really important. And I think with um, it's something that Arduino kind of brought back where you could just learn electronics by, you know, plugging in a LED and being like, wow, I made this happen. I didn't have to read a book to do it. And then, of course, some people will want to read further into it, but other people will just be happy that they got to play with it.
0: And when does it become commercially available?
1: Um, So the first ones are shipping out in March, and those were through the crowdfunding. And then uh, we're manufacturing in the spring. So hopefully by summer, you can start um, pre-ordering the full-on manufactured version, which will be a little cheaper than the Indiegogo ones.
0: Julie Legault, founder and CEO of Amino Labs, creators of the Amino One. Julie, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me.